Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. Yes, folks. Hi there. Welcome to Script Shop. This is the part where I would maybe allude to some kind of song uh, about gambling because uh, our show is about gambling this week. But I was tricking Allison into thinking I was going to do that. So this is a curveball, and I'm just not going to sing a Kenny Rogers song to oh, set the stage. Oh, I love Kenny Rogers. Hi, everybody. This is Jack. <laughs> and this is Allison. And this is our podcast called Script Shop, where we talk to screenwriters about their scripts. And why they wrote them, and maybe how excited they are about Kenny Rogers. And if somebody <laughs> wrote a screenplay about Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton singing, I listen Well, in this case, it would have been the gambler, me singing. Well, I know, but you know, now I'm on a Kenny Rogers tangent, and that extends to Dolly Parton, who is totally fabulous. The reason I'm making a bunch of gambling references is because our guest for this week's show is Mike Santoro, who wrote a script called California Ante, which is a gambling story. Yeah, it's an 18-page gambler's luck story with a nice case of the shakes at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Very good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Addiction rears its ugly head in many forms, doesn't it? We're having fun here today on ScriptShopShow.com. Yeah, that's right. So don't forget that if you are a writer or you know somebody who is a writer and you would like to send your screenplay into ScriptShop, you can do that on ScriptShopShow.com slash submit or FilmFreeway.com slash ScriptShop. Yes, we would love to be able to read your work uh, and uh, then possibly talk to you about your life and what your life means to you and what it did to to lead you to read and write the script I'm doing great. What if Kenny Rogers sent us a script? Do you think it would be about gambling or something else altogether? Man, I think gambling would definitely be a part of it, but it would be like his life. I want this to be a script of his life, and I gambling would, is a small piece of it. I would watch a Kenny Rogers like biopic. Yeah, I would too. I would watch a story about Kenny Rogers' life. I, I mean, this just sounds it just sounds like it should happen. So Kenny, get on it and send that script in, scriptshopshow.com slash submit. And if you're unsure about sending it into us, uh, maybe you want to check us out, feel us out ahead of time. You can do that by checking out where we're at on the internet as far as social media goes. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, uh, Script Shop Show on any of those platforms, and you can find us and be our friend and we can maybe talk to you. Yeah, we'd love that. We are actual redheads. We're not creepers and <laughs> just pretending to be redheads. Wait, those things are mutually exclusive? <laughs> I guess not. I really guess not. Um, and, it, you know, if you like what we're doing and you want to support two redheads and Frank doing a show, you can do that by going on to patreon.com. Patreon.com, where you can uh, toss some rinkies and roonies at us, hit a square in the face with your money. Oh, my God. <laughs> I Patreon. think it must be like big coins. Patreon.com, your website where you can help <laughs> struggling redheads doing a podcast about screenwriting. That's right. Just throw that money at us so we can do some really cool things with the show. And most importantly, if you would like to help us with the show, tell a friend. Mm-hmm. Tell a friend in 2020 to support the show, you can, Script Shop. You can do that, and it's free. It is free. It's just the cost, the generosity of your heart, the kindness of your inner workings. You know what, folks, because it's also a special day, uh, because I've decided that it is a special day, not only do we want you to tell your friends about the show, we want you to tell your enemies, too. <laughs> tell those enemies and see what happens. We'd love to have your enemies listen to us. I would love to know what happens once you tell your enemies to listen. You go listen to this show about screenwriting. Mm-hmm.
punch. What, or maybe that's the moment where they stop being enemies. And they say, hey, you know what? I actually really like scripts. You thought about me and I appreciate I it. I really, you know, I loved that episode, that episode by Mike Santoro uh-huh. talking about gambling. It really spoke to me. I love it. And then you're friends now. You're, Get rid of your enemies. You're welcome. There we go. You're welcome, folks. Mike has been standing by very patiently waiting. We should probably get him on the show. Mike, hi. Uh, thanks for waiting through that. Welcome to Script Shop. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you coming on. No problem. No problem. I am just, how are you guys uh, enjoying your Wednesday? Mm, how are we enjoying our Wednesday? It's, it's it, you know, we're sort of at the tail end of it, at least for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I feel okay about it. I'm anxious to, uh, I'm anxious to talk to you about this script. I'm a huge, I'm such a sucker for gambling stories. I hear you. I hear you. By the way, I just love you guys' repertoire. You're like Abbott and Costello. Ooh, <laughs> thank <laughs> you. That's very nice. That's, you know what's funny is we don't talk like this in real life. No, it's a little less stilted. <laughs> like we're a little more casual. Yeah, it's not as forced. But also, I don't think I get your goat as much in real life. I just kind of like patiently wait and make faces at you and let you say the funny stuff. You maybe don't performatively get my goat, slash that might just be me <laughs> acting like you have gotten, that goat has been gotten. Well, every once in a while. Well, whatever, this yeah. isn't about us, Mike. Yeah, we're going yeah down Mike, a hole. stop talking about us. Where are you calling us from? I am calling you from Los Angeles, California. Oh, I was hoping you'd say Las Vegas. I, I know, right? It's only four hours away. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of side trips to Vegas, maybe as many as you can possibly squeeze in. So are you a, uh, a lifetime Los Angelino? No, I've lived in Los Angeles going on nine years at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I drove out here after film school in North Carolina and um, have lived here ever since. How do you think it's going? It's going really well. You know, I watched, I, I li- or listened, I listened to a lot of the, your shows and kind of like, almost like the common denominator of a lot of um, your guests have been uh, kind of having like an epiphany kind of like mid, whether it was like towards the beginning of their career or middle of their career, whether they were in LA or um, Cincinnati or, you know, whichever city and um, part of the world. And it almost gets to a point where you kind of think that someone's going to hand you the keys to the kingdom. They're going to let you direct or they're going to let you produce or they're going to let you write. And it just doesn't work that way, you know? And so I kind of thought, let me start from the bottom. Mm -hmm. Let me PA, let me, you know, try to move up the rungs of the ladder um, in that regard. And, you know, so far it's been going well. Um, Are you doing that for informational reasons? Like, I'm going to start from the bottom. That way I know everything I need to know on my way to the top. Yeah, I mean, essentially. I mean, it's, I just wanted to learn, you know, as far as like uh, being on set, like the etiquette, there's a certain etiquette. There is a certain kind of like language, a certain kind of like uh, workflow that you kind of have to, I feel like, obtain mm-hmm. um, naturally before you can really, you know, kind of be on a set yourself as a director or as a producer and have kind of like, you know, the blowhorn be like, hey, you know, I am a team leader. I don't know. I feel like you have to earn it. Mm-hmm. And, and for you, uh, the way you see your career going, you're looking to work your way into levels of leadership like directing and producing? Well, you know, I, I've always felt that way and I still do. But I, I think I've had an epiphany. I think it's honestly, it, it really is. It's about getting your work out there, mm-hmm. you know, and I've learned a lot, you know, being on sets of 
reality TV shows, being in docu- being on documentaries, and um, you know, I I was an editor for a while, and I was a PA and then production coordinator, and um, you know, that that was really my bread and butter, how I paid the rent. But you know, at the end of the day, it's just like you really, if you really want to set yourself apart. And, you, you know, you're trying to write, you're trying to direct, you're trying to produce. You just got to get your own work out there. You mm-hmm. have to get your voice out there. Mm-hmm. Mike, let me ask you this real quick. You talked about having listened to some other guests we've had on the show and you mm-hmm. having been in L.A. for a while and specifically with the writing and trying to get your work out there. You know, there's such a it's almost like a, an expected joke at this point about how, you know, everybody in L.A. is is a, a screenwriter and they all they all have a script that they want to try to get in front of somebody. Sure. Are you finding that to be a, a thing as you're actually out there trying to do stuff? And does being in L.A. make it have that level of awareness more so than if you think you were in Philadelphia or Milwaukee or whatever? Um, it's a good question. I, I, I think everyone, everyone is writing out here. To answer the first part of your question, everyone is. Um, everyone's trying to get something made. You know, they know someone, they know a producer that they met at their bar mitzvah or right. they, you know, I, it, but you know, I, I honestly, it, unfortunately, it's kind of like a two-hander answer. For one, LA is kind of, it is kind of the mecca as far as you always hear that, but it is true. I mean, all the agencies are out here and it definitely does help. Like, it, I think it's invaluable if you were to be in a position where an agent or a manager or a producer or a fellow screenwriter or an actor or just anyone in the industry say, hey, let's grab a coffee. Let's, let's grab a beer. You know, mm-hmm. let's chat. I think that's invaluable being out here because you are most likely going to get that. However, I think there are so many people out here and I don't think you need to be, I don't think it is a prerequisite if you want to succeed in the film industry or in the entertainment industry to be out in LA. Hmm. I think now I don't, I, I, I would say to that, if, you don't want to move out here or you can't afford to move out here. You just don't have the resources or you kind of want to build, you know, I think I would say build your portfolio and, you know, give yourself a goal and give yourself kind of like a, maybe like a time limit or something like that. I don't know. Cause it's, you know, it's tough when you're in a lull and you're in between jobs or you're writing your script and it's just taking a long time and the cash flow is slow. It would be tough and it is tough. I can tell you from personal experience yeah. being out here and rent is just skyrocket, you know, going through the roof and it's tough being out here. Um, so I think the answer to your question, uh, sum it up. I think it's just a matter of like, if you have a portfolio and you can get on the horn and call some people, call some producers, call some uh, agents or managers. And, you know, if they, if there's a spark of interest from them, then I would say then maybe go out here for a couple months and give it a shot. Yeah. See mm-hmm. what happens. When did you start writing? Um, so I wrote in college about, so this is going back 10 years and I don't know, to be honest with you, I kind of lost once I started actually showing it to people showing this is a, you know, this is a project I really want to work on. 
um, I kind of lost enthusiasm for mm. it. And mm. I kind of was like, oh, I'm going to produce. Mm-hmm. And then I would say about a couple of years ago, and it just it just hit me that I, I started reading. I found myself reading a lot more scripts, being more interested in writing, uh, reading scripts from like, you know, notable directors, notable writers, notable screenwriters. And then I started reading scripts from lesser known writers, lesser known you know, writer directors. And I was like, it kind of was an epiphany moment where I was like, I can, I'm, I don't think I can write this well yet, but I know I can get there. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like really sharpening up my skill sets, going through trial and error. And it got to a point where about a year ago, I just started doing it full time. And I haven't really stopped. And so now, I'm at a point where it's like, I feel comfortable because of my experience on set different projects, different productions. I know when to put on the writer's hat, put on the producer's hat and then put on the director's hat, mm-hmm. you know, when it's time, you know, how has um, that, how has that experience working in the industry and having different jobs and stuff? How has that affected uh, the way you write? Maybe the topics that you write about, does it, has that informed any of that at all? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, gotten a lot of advice from mentors as far as like what they're looking for, um, what they usually find themselves producing more and more often, kind of like almost like almost like the common denominators, right? Like just mm-hmm. the, the different the, 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 the different things that they're looking for as far as like, uh, you know, male to female ratio characters and um, trying to add some diversity and pumping up the action pump, you know, less style, you know, just like different things like that nature. And then also kind of like putting on my producer's hat. It's, Oh wait, I know this guy, Brian, who, um, would be able to, uh, let us use his dad's liquor store. So let me utilize that. Let me put that into the script. Yeah. You know, different, different resources such as that, just going through my Rolodex, Right. It's like, who can work on this film for me? What can they do for me? What can they bring to the project? Um, you know, so that sort of thing for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm. So uh, how has California really influenced the work that you write currently? And not just in the sense of what people are looking for, but of course, we've got California Auntie here today. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious if if the environment you're living in frequently influences the work that you're putting out there. It's funny. I was just I was just watching an interview the other day for one of my favorite directors, um, Alexander Payne, and he was just going crazy about like how why there's so many films that are set in California. Yeah. And I think it is annoying. Don't get me wrong. It's very annoying. I think what it is, is that if you were to set your film in Los Angeles, I, I think, it, you know, you cannot you can't just set it here to set it here right because it's like oh it's got you know the palm trees and beautiful weather and i i think you know this this story in particular i don't think it could be set anywhere else in all honesty okay. you know I, there, there's no there's no way and i think for me personally why i set it in los angeles and california is mainly because you know i've lived here for now a third of my life and I feel like I've had the lowest of lows and I've had the highest of highs. And I, it's kind of like, it's similar to the character, right? He's just going through 
Um, I feel like it's the same way with him, the, the main character, in that he's had the lowest of lows and the highest of highs, and he's trying to achieve something. He's trying to look for something. He's constantly looking, yearning for something better. And... Um, you can relate to that. Like, climbing I your, can relate to that. Yeah, climbing I your can, career ladder sure. here, you know? Absolutely. Are your lowest of lows and highest of highs related to maybe Gambling. sitting at a poker table or anything like that? <laughs> no, I, okay. I haven't done that in quite some time. I had, I've had some uh, smattering of uh, experiences uh, being at poker tables. I, I definitely would not call myself a gambling addict, a poker addict. But, I mean, I, love, I do love the game. I, I do love kind of uh, I don't know. It's like it's almost like a it's almost like a like a war, almost like a war of attrition, right? Mm. It's like you you're playing the players, you're not really playing the cards, right? I don't think the character that's in my script, I don't think he really totally understands that, mm-hmm. and I think the antagonists, his the the, the opposing players do, and um, yeah, I I, I think. You know, I've been in, I, and I've definitely been in those kinds of like, those kind of poker rooms where you know there's there's not obviously not like a lot of money being thrown around, but like, kind of sketchy, sketchy characters. You know, I um, something like Molly's Game. If you saw that, Jessica yeah. Chastain, it kind of has that kind of like not like, you know, not like typically set in a casino, but like those house games. You know, it's. And, you know, it's, it's, I would say it's mainly from my love of the game is why I kind of used poker um, as almost like a backdrop of the story. So has, have you been playing poker like throughout your childhood, throughout your adolescence? I know you say you don't have a lot, you know, it's not like this is a massive piece of your life right now, but you like the game. You like analyzing the game. And and using it as a way to expose a character to an audience, a, a way to reveal the, the personality of, of, a, of a character. Right. Right. Um, I've been exposed to it um, for quite some time. Um, as far as... I think what comes out when you're on it, when you're, when you're at a poker table, I think really your true self does come out eventually. Cause usually these games go on for hours and hours and hours. And so I was like, wow, it'd be so cool. I used to have it in a previous draft where the poker game was kind of like halfway through the script. Mm-hmm. And then I started showing it to people and they're like, no, you've got to, got to put that in the beginning. First of all, it's like just so exciting. But second of all, it's like, what an introduction, right, to this character. He's right. just being, he thinks he's on top, and then all of a sudden he's like quickly cornered. And it's like, that would be a great, that would kind of be a great way to lay down the foundation. Well, we might as well let the listeners know what's going on in this story. Yeah, so this sure. is this is a California Annie. This is the story about a guy named Ray. Uh, and the script does start out with him uh, playing a, a game of poker against uh, this guy that has the upper hand on him, this guy John. And things go poorly, let's say. And uh, Ray's in real bad shape, and Ray then sort of spends the rest of the film, the rest of the script, trying to figure out what he's going to do. The clock is ticking. He's got to get a certain deadline to to make a payback, and things sort of go from bad to worse. And Ray is doing a lousy job of coping with all these new things that keep coming at him, and it it it, it very much seems like he's spiraling until he catches a, a couple breaks at the end. And it, I mean, you know, it it. 
things kind of work out okay for him, even though you sort of leave the ending uh, purposely ambiguous. And I, I actually really dig the way that you ended this on an ambiguous note. Is that is that a, a, a decent summary of the story you're telling here? I could not have said it better myself. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, so the ambiguity, should we, no, I'm not going to ask a question about the end. Yeah, not yet. Not yet. Um, do we want to go ahead and read what we've got? I think we should. Okay. So listeners, the piece we have today happens a little bit early on in the script. We're going to give you page three, three to four, I think, uh, starts bottom of three. Um, Jack's going to be reading for Ray. I'm going to be reading action headings. And what we're going to effectively do for you is set up the the kind of the intensity of the situation this man is finding himself in. Yeah, this is right when the script is really sort of living in, oh, things have gone bad. Yeah. Okay. So uh, stay with us, Mike. We'll be right back with you. Thanks. All right, are you ready? You got a lot of you got a lot of descriptors going on. I That's just have okay. to scream swears for the next minute or two. Yeah, good job. <laughs> See how proud your mom is of you uh, after this. <laughs> mm. I'm just I, playing a part. Hi, Mrs. Grubbly. Okay. <laughs> okay. Exterior: Palos Verdes, dawn, beach city landscape, night black turning into light blue, affluent Southern California suburbs, upscale suburban block seen closer now. As Ray shuffles across the yard of a contemporary home, Ray looks bleakly at the row of BMWs and Teslas parked idly before him while walking along the suburban street. He finally comes to a stop at his car, a rattle-trap 87 Chevy. He enters. Interior Chevy continuous. Ray burrows the cigarette and settles in. He pulls on the seatbelt strap behind him, but it doesn't give. He pulls harder, then gives the strap a final tug. Fuck! Ray hunches over the steering wheel, stunned, gutted, staring into the Palos Verdes Mountains. He picks up a small black book from the passenger seat and rifles through it, angle on, pages, groups of mailing addresses, and poker tournament buy-in amounts, hands scrolled on the pages, each crossed out. He flips a page and sees a single address that isn't marked. After a beat, he crosses out the last address and throws the book aside. He grabs his car keys from his pocket. He shuffles them, and they fall to the ground. He bends down to pick them up when, like a flash of lightning, he pounds his steering wheel with his fist and thrashes around the car violently. Fuck! 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 His knuckles are now bloody. His hand is already in motion to smash the steering wheel again, but he manages to restrain himself before impact. He calmly parts his blonde hair, assembles himself back together, and puts the Chevy in drive. That's uh, so that's the, the the sort of the let's let's meet this guy when things have really gone south, uh, Mike. That's I feel just that little <laughs> scene right there is such a it's such a cool opportunity for if this were to be produced for for uh, an actor to really have some interesting character work in there. That's the idea, you know. I mean, it, we kind of don't give away the ending to the opening scene as far as like what happens. Does he lose his whole bankroll? Does he lose? his um all his chips right to this mm-hmm. one uh hand and then we just cut right and you know it's morning it's like this beautiful city and um it's just glossy and then we just see this guy totally disheveled and um kind of sulking right and he looks like he does look like i at least what i envision he does look like an average joe right just walking the streets you know smoking a cigarette or I guess vaping and um and then he gets in the car and it's like he can only 
hold that demeanor for so long right and yeah oh yeah just totally breaking down and yeah because now it's just uh, him he, he, he if he can't be honest with himself about where he's at right, right now this is this is him right. like oh I, I letting all the walls down letting all the pretense down i cannot stop screaming yep yeah i mean it's you can only have so much you know artifice right like mm-hmm. just so much like superficiality before it just all goes crumbling down well and this <laughs> you brings, know I mean, when your life is just falling apart and, oh yeah it brings up really the whole theme which is addiction and that's it's put right into the beginning with him uh losing a lot at the table it's put it continues through as he tries to recover from you know the fact that he's about to get basically beat <laughs> he's gonna get a, a bully beat down for lack of a better TV show, and which I also and, love. And he's kind of on the run, Yeah, too. and he is on the run because he doesn't have any money here. And, you know, the bigger themes outside of just, like, the game and outside of being able to handle people, but the bigger theme of addiction, um, what does that really mean to you? Well, I mean, yeah, definitely addiction for sure. Um, what I really kind of wanted, it, it is definitely about addiction, um, gambling addiction, but also, you know, like the addiction – for success, right? And I think you can get addicted to it. And I think it gets to a point where you kind of realize like kind of almost like a self-reflection, right? It's like just how many times am I going to get beat down before, you know, something actually happens? And mm-hmm. it's like what, you know, and then it's like as I said self-reflection, it's like, well, what do I want? You know, and you kind of get to a point where you kind of lose your focus and you kind of lose weight. What do I want? You know, what, and like, what have I been doing? What, you know, and I, I, I kind of, it's kind of, that was kind of my mindset when I was writing this, to be honest with you. It's kind of like in the title as well. It's like, so anti is kind of the pre bet, right? It's kind yeah. of like a bet that you have to give to the house, meaning the casino or whoever's hosting the game, you know, and you're not even betting. It's just like a fee almost. And that's kind of why I called it that is because, you almost do have to like give up a pound of flesh mm-hmm. into this kind of, you know, this, this kind of town, this, this type of environment. And it's just about really, it's about grief. It's about loss. It's about addiction. And it's kind of like what you have to do <laughs> in order to get yourself kind of back on track a little bit of luck, but a lot of effort. I'm really, really curious about the choices that Ray makes throughout this, you know? So we find out he's, like, deep in the hole for a whole load of cash, and he's got to get this money or some terrible things are going to happen. And what does he do? He, you know, he he buys a lottery ticket instead of filling up his car with $10 of gas. He finds a bunch of people on a basketball court and starts betting, gambling with them. He's not... I'm assuming he's not a very good basketball player. You know, like, he, he's a failure. He is a flop, like, just miserably, seemingly digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper in the script. There's a, um, there is a movie called The Gambler. They remade it with Mark Wahlberg a few years ago. But there's a, um, the movie that it was based on was called The Gambler. It was with Jimmy Kahn, James Kahn from, like, The Godfather and... Um, just great character actor in the seventies. And the movie's like very dated. It's probably at this point, almost 40 years old. Um, but you know, it's dealing with this professor who moonlights as a gambler, as a gambler. He is, he is totally a gambling addict. 
And the movie literally opens up with him. He's driving to school. He's like a professor and he sees a basketball court and he's like, Hey, 20 bucks, best of 10. And I thought of that and I was like, wow, that would be, that's such a, that's such a great idea of like, and it's a little different in my script because I feel like with that, that was almost like his everyday, that, that was just him, nothing really to lose. He just, that's who he is. That's, that's like literally gambling is kind of like just a characteristic of him. It's just, you know, he literally embodies a gambler Mm -hmm. and with mine, it was almost like he was just looking for Ray is just looking for any opportunity, Mm -hmm. any opportunity where he can make a few bucks. And, you know, it's just, I kind of got to a point where it was like, there was a little bit of a car chase prior to that basketball scene. Yeah. What, I mean, what does he do? Where does he go? You know, like, who is he going to interact with? How, you know, who are, you know, who's going to help him? And yeah, so I, I had to put it in there. I thought it was just super cool. It's kind of like almost as like a tribute to that kind of like subgenre of film. Well, and you talked about luck too, needing a little bit of luck. And I'm, I'm sort of curious about the way that this situation ultimately resolves itself. Mm-hmm. It, it, it ends up relying on like a significant amount of luck as opposed to, you know, um, he, he's not like earning his way back. And like, you know, it's not like rounders where they're going around and just trying to get as much money as they can to try to pay off his debt. Or even right. I think, what was the movie? Uh, Win with uh, the guy that was Nick in New Girl. It would similar sort of thing. Uh, he right. happens to have this lottery ticket that just happened that it's been sort of crumbled up in his pocket. He's almost sort of ignored slash forgotten about it and it hits. And I'm, I, I'm sort of curious about that as a choice as the writer, as opposed to having him grind something out over like the course of like 36 hours to try to win it all. Um, yeah, it's funny. You know, I love, first of all, I love, love, love that movie so much. I thought it was just super cool. Like totally, Sean, 16 millimeter, totally kind of a 70s character study. Um, it's a little different. I mean, I, Rounders is, I think, the quintessential kind of like poker movie. I've watched it thousands of times. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it's funny. I think the way I modeled it was like, luck sometimes does come from like the unlikeliest of places. And sometimes like, you know, uh, when you're in the dark for so long, you're just looking for any bit of light, right. That can get you out. And I think that's kind of like how he just lives his life. He's going to be that guy. And that was another, that was almost a way I was going to introduce the character as well. was like, he just pulls into a gas station, very routine, very regular, very just average Joe, but he's only got $10. Obviously he's going to buy a tank of gas or, you know, and, um, besides buy a lottery ticket mm-hmm. and it's like, even though, you know, it's astronomical, right? Like one in 10 million of a chance that you're actually going to hit. He doesn't look at it that way. He looks at, he looks at that as just another opportunity. So you're saying no I got what? a chance. Oh man. Saying I got a chance. <laughs> That's like, right. so it's a hard, it's a hard character to ride along with because he's just yeah. completely disillusioned. He has no consequences <laughs> And literally, I just see him digging his grave deeper and deeper and deeper, this whole script, until his lotto ticket wins. And then it's like, oh, man, what is the larger statement on on this? You know, because he gets that money. He pays everything off. They say, hey, you're a great gambler, actually. 
what do you say about the next the next piece of the puzzle here? And that fuel is there to the fire to just keep him, you know, buying lotto tickets instead of gas, instead of taking care of himself. Right, exactly. And I, I think what um, what I was really trying to convey, I, I mean, I like how you brought up the ambiguous ending. Um, what I was really trying to convey in the ending was the fact that, like, he does kind of lose his his mindset on what is he trying to what is he trying to achieve here what is the end game right and um for him there is no end game it's just to win yeah the end game is the thrill right right exactly absolutely and i mean what i also what i just love when movies do do this is i know it's not necessarily like like a necessity but i love like how movies just become so cyclical Right. It's like what happens and, you know, because this happened, this happens. But then because of that and I, I kind of just assembling that building block. Right. Of like he buys this lottery ticket just nonchalantly. Oh, yeah. My gas is like hovering on empty. Eh, it'll work itself out. Right. And all of a sudden it's like that bet. You know, it, it ended up, happen- it ended up uh, you know, getting me out of this hole, at least temporarily right but that happens that happened you know it's happened mm-hmm. to me in my career where it's like because i went to, i wasn't going to go to this interview or i wasn't going to go to this shoot because it didn't pay anything and it was going to be for 20 hours long and it was going to be uh, yeah, but i met you know i ended up going and i met this guy and then years down the road i you know forgot about that shoot forgot about that situation that's guy calls me out of the blue and says hey i was thinking of i needed a camera operator and you know i i i was looking through my rolodex and i saw you and i think you did a great job that one day you showed up and would love to hire you you know things kind of happen that way right the thing that you just don't really pay attention to and you kind of disregard initially and ends up sometimes yeah sometimes yeah so that was kind of like you know i was just kind of like referencing my own career my own life and trying to kind of like resonate with the character's Mm -hmm. intentions and actions well and also i mean this this is who he is he's not learning some lesson he's not turning his life around this is who this guy is and he's going to do this every time right absolutely that's that's essentially it i mean and that's kind of why i left it open i was like i can't end this i i i I cannot honestly think I'm maybe dead. Right. You know, he ends up dead. But I mean, who wants to watch that? You know, Mm. I, you know, they want to see this guy prevail. But at the end of the day, I don't think he can prevail. Well, and I think people would want to see this guy prevail because I think there's some on some level when you're talking about movies about gambling and like big risks and big losses or whatever. And just the general idea that you want your audience to feel like they can identify with a protagonist. You're rooting for this guy to maybe pull it off because they would want to pull it off. They're like they're rooting for themselves. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. There's that level of identity in there. Mike, what's the. um? What's the reaction been? Have you been able to show this to friends, colleagues, uh, you know, feedback that you've gotten on this from uh, from other people? Yeah. So I, you know, a lot of friends and a lot of uh, people that I look up to have read it and have given me really great notes. And a few of them say, don't change a word. A few of them say, uh, you know, ditch three or four pages of it. Um, you know, but I just... You know, so I'm still kind of like mulling over my options on like what I can possibly cut. Because as I was saying earlier, 
I'm getting to the point now where I'm starting to take off my writer's hat and putting on my producer's hat. Right. And it's like, and it's starting to dawn on me shooting in LA is pretty expensive. Yeah, sure. As far as permits, as far as insurance and hiring actors and yada, yada, yada. So, um, you know, it's like, what's crucial to the story? What's crucial to, um, the message I'm trying to say the theme I'm trying to, uh, 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 you know, kind of lay out there um, and go with it. You nice. know, if I, you know, just shoot, you know, over a weekend, get some of my best friends out there and we'll do it. That's very exciting. That's extremely cool. Yeah. yeah. Do you think about expanding the story at all? I know you didn't, you know, you were like, I don't want to end it. I don't want to, I like this ambiguous little moment that's here, but you know, is this a setup to some other larger production a feature film or something about this guy and about how this could influence the world around him absolutely absolutely yes i mean it was, the intention was always to make this a feature and then um you know i was having trouble i was having difficulty starting the script and then i started writing it and then um i thought well, what if i can make a short film you know, what if I can make a proof of concept mm. of this larger story? And then I started, so I started writing the poker scene. And oddly enough, once I wrote that poker scene, you know, uh, you know I dabbled with a few words here and there, a few setups and actions. But overall, structurally, it's always stayed the same through so many drafts. Mm. I've never even touched that. And that's always been my intention of like, what if I just shoot the poker scene? Cause I think that'll establish kind of like the relationships that'll establish the characters that'll establish the tension, the mm-hmm. mood that I'm trying to acquire. And that's always been the foundation that I've laid upon that I've laid and try to build upon. So, um, yes. Yeah, so yeah, it, it, the idea is to definitely shoot this for super cheap and, um, use that, right. The feature and then hopefully use this, uh, kind of as a calling card to, yeah. you know, cause ultimately the way I approach why the way I'm approaching this project is if I get one shot to direct something, right. This, I want something like this to be it because this is exactly, you know, there's a lot of genres I love. I love, you know, I love horror. I even <laughs> I like romantic comedies, you know, but I, I've always had a soft spot for thrillers and character based dramas and um, melodramas even though I know a lot of people think it's super old fashioned. It's um, I just think the stakes can get as high as they mm-hmm. possibly can. Mm-hmm. You never, it's so, it's so spontaneous. So I, yeah, I, I would, I would shoot this. The idea, the goal right now is to shoot this, the, the short and then write the feature, hopefully use the short to get in some festivals, get some notoriety. And then, yeah, hopefully we'll get rocking and rolling the feature going well if somebody is interested in getting in touch with you about <laughs> this story yeah. and uh seeing yeah. what comes out of it what's the best way for them to get in touch oh uh they can definitely hit up uh my facebook they can definitely hit up my twitter um i'm on there every day um i'm always always looking out for uh make more connections uh, per- is there a certain handle? Just should they look up Mike Santoro, or is there a certain handle they should uh, look up? Yeah. So for Twitter, it would definitely be twitter.com slash 
MG San zero one, which is my, uh, my, uh, Twitter ID. MG S A N T zero one. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Great. Well, Mike, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks guys. This yeah. Thanks man. Good luck. Uh, try not to roll a hard eight. All right. <laughs> thanks guys. I appreciate it a lot. <laughs> See ya. That's another one, Hard Eight. I, I just watched that not too long ago. It's like an early Paul Thomas Anderson movie. It's got John C. Riley in it. It's got and he's young. It's got a young Gwyneth Paltrow in it. Yeah. It's it's it's. Uh, I I really liked it. I don't know that it's good, but I liked it a lot. I don't think that I've watched enough gambling movies. Oh, there's so the more many. We good talk ones. about it because there are so many good ones, and pretty much all the ones I've watched, I've loved. Um, so I think maybe this is going to be a new thing for me. Maybe we should watch Molly's game. Yeah, that sounds good. And yeah. then we could just continue watching gambling movies. Now you're talking. There's, we could watch the Cincinnati Kid. What uh, is this? Uh, Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen movie. Steve Cincinnati McQueen. Kid. Well, we definitely need to watch it because I obviously have no idea. Okay. Well, let's is. do that. Uh, folks, if you have written a gambling movie or you just like something about Cincinnati Kids or any other variety of things that one could turn into a script, uh, you should write it down and you should send it to us. And you could do that by going on to scriptshopshow.com. Or... Filmfreeway.com That's and right. look up Script Shop Show. Yeah, you know, you just never know how many, what someone's options may be online. Maybe they're limited in terms of the websites they, they can choose. They, they're not allowed to go Their to scriptshopshow.com. Have blocked yeah, that's right. Scriptshopshow.com. <laughs> but Film Freeway is okay. Yeah, that's fine. You Young just man. go around and look at profiles of film festivals, et cetera. That's, we'll allow that here at the office, but none of that podcast <laughs> website crap. <laughs> We've got the blocks on, sir, and we're watching you. Well, if you can get on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at work or home, you should. And you should look us up at Script Shop Show on all of those sites. Johnson, you're not using that Facebook, are you? (laughs) We've got a block on that now. And on your podcast sites. (laughs) I do. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Script Shop Jack. And I'm at your bestie, Westie. Thank you guys for listening very much. Please tell a friend, tell an enemy about the show. We'd love tell your to boss. Uh, tell your. What's that? What, what's the name of that podcast website you're on? <laughs> I need to block it. I need to block it immediately. <laughs> I'm done. Oh, until next week, friends. That's a wrap. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.